This is the Wizards Nightshirt Podcast, episode 34. Welcome to the Wizards Nightshirt. This is episode number 34. I'm Will, I'm not sick, and I'm going to talk as good as I can. Here with me is Sickly Scott. What? (laughs) And Rubella Rebecca. You better not get me sick. I do not like sharing a mic right now. I'm very upset. Very upset. I was told it was a sinus infection, and... We will find out soon if it, it was. You were told it was a science infection. Yeah. <laughs> Gonna get shrunk down like in one of my lightning round episodes. What's that movie? The the inner inner space? Inner space. Yes. Yeah, you'd be shrunk <laughs> down into your Will's nose. <laughs> uh, it'll help me whine. Shoot the mute guy out. Uh, well, you know, it's appropriate we're talking about plague stuff because this will be the... Uh, Last episode of our real Halloween season, at least before next week when we start saying it's uh, only 51 weeks before Halloween. <laughs> but uh, it'll be I'll the last have some one. Halloween clearance to purchase. <laughs> yeah. There'll be some discussions. We're going to, well, all three of us are going to a Halloween party tonight. Rebecca's already dressed up as kind of a business lich. That was my idea. Yeah. I came out like I got all the crap that has accumulated from the weird life that I live, and I found some bones and so forth, so I cobbled together a costume. It's going to work okay. It's pretty good. I'm looking at some uh, skeleton hand pauldrons. Uh, it looks pretty nice. We had to conf- is, it, is, it, is that called something, like the half mask? I don't know. I don't know what it's called. This wasn't that big. I think it's called Trashy Skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I like that, like, like yeah, in yeah, American cool. Horror Story. Yeah. And stuff. I, it's I, really... I tried to do the uh, full mask. I tried it on with, like, the skeleton with googly eyes full mask that also ha- lives in this house. But um, visibility very low. And I'm like, <laughs> I am way too old to not be able to see where I'm going at a party. Yeah, the giant uh, uh, paper mache head I made did not have good field of vision in that. <laughs> yeah. uh, that like, was for last year. If this would have been the seventies, you would have been in one of those safety videos, like the film strips that they show in classrooms. <laughs> <laughs> me, they, me tumbling over yeah. like cords or something. <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't quite fit through the door of the party I went to. So, and like, like, and Tommy didn't use a reflective costume. <laughs> There was actually one that I did see, and I watch things like this on YouTube sometimes, so don't worry about it. But um, they they started out with a little girl in a witch costume and like a mask that she couldn't see out of, and then by the end of it, they kept changing her costume till the end. She was like a reflective like fairy in a white gown, and I'm like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to this little girl. What? It's like now you can see her and don't run over her, and I'm like, now her costume sucks. Now we're not gonna see her because we don't want to look at it. <laughs> I'm wearing a reflective costume. I'm wearing my Star Trek. Costume. Costume, and Scott is the only one that was dressed like a master of the universe. He's gonna sport his Prince Adam costume and show it off. Yes, I, th- I think it's gonna be nice. You gotta wave wave your sword about. It'll be nice. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think it'll be fun. You know how we know that this is we're old and we're going to parties because on the way we might have to stop to get me some Mucinex. Sputum, <laughs> <laughs> <Spew to> anyone? <laughs> and then also at the party we'll be like, "Well, we gotta go. We got really tired of doing our podcast." <laughs> Oh, at the Wizards Night Shirt, we're revisiting He-Man, Masters of the Universe, and She-Ra, Princess of Power. 
Today we're reviewing She-Ra Season 1, Episode 26, Book Burning. This is also our monthly lightning round episode. That means we'll be pulling out the stopwatch for a quick review of several episodes that happened between our main episodes. As always, you can check our episode guide on the website if you'd like to follow along. And this time I think we're going to try to do the episodes in order so it's easier to easier to follow. That's, we tried to do it last time. Just wheeling your spreadsheet, bossing everybody around. Don't even know what end is up. Me and Scott are just sitting here like the poor people working in the mines of Mondor in Etheria, wearing, in our tunics. And you're like, do the night do Y'all got the easy job in that mine. <laughs> Will's got the snorting down. Don't, don't, don't try to compete. I can't do it. Uh, it's all right. Well, our air date for book burning was October 11th, 1985. And in this episode, freedom is threatened as the horde villains Tongue and Ratlore begin to burn all the books in Etheria. So no one can get accelerated reader points. <laughs> no. Now, Will, I'm just going to say you sound like you found this premise a little humorous. <laughs> uh, actually, I think it's a great premise. I, I, w- I wanted to lead into this talking about that. This is one of my favorite things in She-Ra is when they pick a, like a tried and true like fantasy novel trope. This is like a um, classic tactic of evil empires is controlling information. Um, however, as we'll discuss, I have some questions about the execution. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, be that yeah. as it may. <laughs> some of the teachers weren't the best teachers. <laughs> Maybe they should have had their own horde books. <laughs> I was going to say, literally any any of the women who work for Hordak, like be it Scorpia or Cantra, I feel that they would probably be better like disseminators oh, idea. Of, of evil information. Shadow Weaver is a scholar. She could also put a spell on them to make them believe anything. Yeah. And then, like Tongue and Ratlore out there, they're just—they're not. That, that's uh, just, this is not going to be a goodwill hunting although moment. Cor- <laughs> although <laughs> Corey needed no encouragement, <laughs> we'll have to get well, into yeah. uh, into Corey, our scumbag child. Yeah. Why, why, why is it always a redhead? Why? <laughs> why is it always a redhead? I don't know. <laughs> that little six freckle. <laughs> I can't even. I can't even. <laughs> <laughs> I say this as someone with freckles too. It's okay, Corey. You're not one of us. <clears throat> well, uh, like like I was saying, this this is one of my uh, favorite things that happens in a fantasy novels when an evil empire tries to control information because it's one of the nastiest little subtle things they can do. Uh, like you know, this is how they would do it in ancient times. They'd conquer a place. You know, you tear down the old statues, put up the new statues, pass out the new books. Yeah, um, and I'm I'm even thinking like you know we're watching this now in 2017, and these are issues that have become even more precarious. I was thinking about that too. In our you know like in our cultural landscape today, you know you've got questions about what constitutes an authoritative text, like mm-hmm. what has authority in what should be otherwise an equal you know uh, marketplace of ideas, and we're living in a landscape now where you can literally tailor your information to be whatever you want it to be already, and so like I'm getting. Like really teary-eyed over here watching this stupid Shira episode, not being nostalgic for like remember when we played dolls, but like being nostalgic for um, a time when this metaphor for burning books as suppressing information and suppressing culture was just like such a pure metaphor, mm-hmm. you know? Because now it's complete; it's very complicated by everything. And well, um, even we even you know b- before even very recent times, we had some subtle campaigns to control information through uh, you know school curriculum and who's publishing the textbooks. Yeah, which um, is still happening. And now we're talking. Now we talk about it for um, news feeds and what's an objective news source, uh, you, you know, versus writ- written from a perspective. And we have 
countries that control which platforms they'll let in. And we have some countries where there's not a lot of media literacy and um, it's not clear to people uh, when they should take uh, certain information seriously or not. And it's causing actual um, violence in some places. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're living in a time now where access to information actually has global consequences just in this unprecedented way. Yeah, we'd like to think about it like like uh, Fahrenheit 451 and, uh, you know, 1984 and that kind of thing. But it's, it has gotten a lot more complicated. Yeah, yeah. It's it was really, I mean, I got emotional watching this episode and I can't really tell you why, but I just, I mean, like, I guess we can kind of get into it's it. It's when you saw go. Lucky, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it probably was. And, it, I, and you heard his moral. Something, was, about, so something about, it's about like, it. <laughs> at the end, you're like, oh, if I finally love Lucky. <laughs> Not this episode. Well, it's like these issues playing against like a cartoon that, is pure from our childhood from that time. There's something happening there. I, I, I do. Yeah, that. definitely. I'm, I'm just, um, yeah, like I said, it's, it, it just triggered a way different kind of nostalgia for me. It's not, it's not one of action mm-hmm. figures. It's one of just this really, actually, it, it really brings me back to, uh, uh, going to college and having that wonderful experience for the first time when I took a class from um, the, the now retired Professor Emeritus, long live Ed Cambrell, the best. That's what I was thinking about. The best journalism professor ever, who, where you start learning about, you know, uh, well, you know, freedom of speech and um, the marketplace of ideas, I guess. And that's that's something that, like, I'm really, like, somewhere deep in my, like, poor, cynical soul in the year 2017. I am, uh, I, I believe in it still. Mm-hmm. And uh, this episode really brought up some feelings for me. I was surprised. <laughs> I was like, why am I crying at she Well, late, later in the episode, I want to talk a little bit about what texts we can remember being controversial when we were, we were growing up. This is the teacher, and at one, we will talk about horde lies. Hurry, children. Our school has two very special visitors today. To get into the episode, I know we were talking about the execution uh, being uh, a little silly, but it seemed like it was going to start pretty serious. If for no other reason, then we're introduced to two speakers to the classroom who are wearing very scary scarecrow masks over their faces. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we learned that this is uh, Bo and Adora, who I guess I pieced together later were wearing disguises because they didn't want the horde to see them. Which makes sense, but it was it was not a beautiful image when you first yeah, see it. Yeah, I don't understand. Did they walk into the classroom like that? I think so. Yeah, they were like hanging out in the supply cupboard, you know, or like where all the lunches are in <laughs> the classroom. They're like, I'm room. just a bag of potatoes. <laughs> Did you sign in in the front? That's fine if you wear those corn sacks on your head, but make sure that you get a badge when you come in. <laughs> Did they buzz you in? Did you come through the back door? I also like the way the uh, teacher got a one-time name drop. They called her Serena one time, so she'd get her SAG card, and then we never heard it again. (laughs) (laughs) I think I heard it, like, like more than that. I don't think so. Okay, well, you know, a couple of times, whatever. But, yeah, we we do have a real hero, this teacher, who is uh, teaching the children about the time before the Horde was there Mm -hmm. and how the Horde came and took over. And then, you know, most of the kids are sitting enwrapped, as children do when a teacher talks, right? <laughs> but then there, here we have our problem child, Corey. He actually looks like the boy who played problem child a little bit. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Mr. Healy. <laughs> what was the boy's actual name? I don't know. The movie is Problem Child. The kid is Problem Child. Yeah, yeah, have I've, I've seen that. I've seen them all. Me too. I love <laughs> yeah. the second one when we go on the roller coaster. Oh, the second one I saw in theaters. Yeah. It's, it's packed. In fact, there's people standing. That's, that's how good it is. 
So uh, all the kids are sort of giving uh, giving Bo and Adora at least a fair shake, and Corey raises hands. He's well, he's, he's pretty much telling like, oh, you're liars. The horde's awesome. Before they came, this was a lovely, peaceful planet. That's not true. Corey, please don't interrupt. Yeah, and we don't ever learn anything about Corey's background and why he thinks the horde is great. But, you know, he's just there for color. Well, let me ask you this. Who would you trust? Would you trust the people with the uniforms and the and the orderly stuff? Or would you trust the people coming in, busting into your class, strangers with corn sacks on their heads? <laughs> <laughs> they do look awfully suspicious. I mean, one is kind of like the kind of um, despotism evil that we're used to seeing in history books, and they're gross for that reason. But the other ones are like... Um, Jason Halloween scarecrow kind of scary. Yeah, but the but the teacher said that they were, they were okay. So okay. As, a, as a young kid, I could see that you know the teacher being teacher the endorsed authority. it. They don't talk yeah. with the masks on the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> they just take they don't them talk right with off. The masks I was too disturbed. I couldn't recover. <laughs> well, that's, I, I, that's what I don't get. What's why? Why do they wear the mask and why didn't they just talk with the mask on? So they didn't know who they were because they were trying to hide their faces, I don't right? Know. I feel like it was probably like some overambitious room mother who was like there. She's like, I brought brownies today and then here, wear these masks. And they're like, are you sure? She's like, no, put them on. My husband sewed these from our flower sacks. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I don't know what that was. Um, I guess speaking to your question, Will, I would say that... As an adult, it has taken me an embarrassingly long amount of time to learn that the people who you should pay attention to are the people who show you their goodness with their actions. Mm-hmm. And it gets really easy to listen to words people say and then just take them at face value because you're like, why would a person lie? And so, you know, a kid would hear like, well, the horde says they're great, so I'm sold. You know, I think it takes a it takes a, lot, a bit of critical thinking, you know, to get out of that that pattern. I remember hearing in a psychology class or something somewhere, or maybe maybe it was just some some lady who showed up to talk to us at one of my other classes. I don't know. Was she but, wearing a hood? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's probably why I listen. But I I I can't remember. I I guess it's a studied thing that if you hear a very persuasive argument first before the second argument, you're you're going to be a little biased or have to work your way out of a bias from the first argument that was made well so maybe does it, does to it have to do with volume also <laughs> I, I feel like I that's know. also too is someone that's loud and boisterous it's harder to listen to a person after that yeah the horde is so less confident if else. the horde is all megaphones and mantenna just blaring <laughs> just at you all the time spittle and blustering all the time <laughs> Uh, speaking of, that's how their uh, lecture gets uh, interrupted. I guess they look outside the window and see uh, uh, two horde henchmen um, coming up on the playground. And who do we have? What action figures can we play with? <laughs> Leech. Yep, Leech. And Ratlore. And Ratlore. No, Mantena. Oh, Mantena Mant- first. All oh, right. Yeah, oh, Mantena yeah, first. Somebody looking, who's real. Yeah, I was looking uh, further yes. down my notes. Yeah, Leech yeah. and Mantena are the ones who bust up on the classroom yeah. in the beginning. And then they burn the <clears> book uh, right on the spot. <laughs> in the classroom. In the classroom. Yeah. I thought they had a cute, uh, I'll say cute, it's probably wrong for, for something this serious, but did you see uh, Mantena was aiming at the book and he had kind of like closed one eye and yeah, kind of stuck his yeah. tongue out a little bit? I thought that was really funny. Yeah, that's real cute and horrifying. <laughs> yeah. I have to tell you, I was viscerally upset by the the burning of books. Like, mm-hmm. it just bothered me. Like, I was upset, like, don't do it, you know. 
Like, I still haven't gotten over the library at Alexandria. Like, I'm, you know, like, don't burn <laughs> yeah. a book. Well, there's something. There are friends. There's something uh, uh, upsetting about seeing, like, the destruction of a well-researched, authoritative voice just because somebody else started talking, too. So, I well, mean, yeah, it's I mean just... you're assuming that. Madame Raz probably wrote all those textbooks. They're <laughs> right, probably right. terrible. Yeah. But, you know, you're right. the basic truths were there. Actually, do you remember, like, the kid was reading out of the textbook, and it, it was just like, and then all the land was happy. And I'm like, this is a terrible textbook. <laughs> right. Maybe that wasn't, a, or some, that maybe wasn't too rigorous a scholarship in that one. But the point is, we don't, step, we don't destroy books. That's right. We as, don't as my books. mother told us many times when we were kids, books are our friends. And that meant not to step on the books and stuff, but it also means something important, mm-hmm. I'm sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so, Bo and Adora uh, dispatch Leech and Mantena by having some playground hijinks. We get some gymnastics yeah. on the swings. Tra- tra- a trapeze act. Yeah. That was pretty amazing. <laughs> Where he does like a flip. Yeah, there were some weird camera angles. Uh, some seesaw action. They, it was kind of a sad playground, but we got to see see them work with the environment a little bit. It was a seesaw and a and a, what was it? What did they just call it? A bar swing bar? I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know if that's pro- a proper playground <laughs> equipment. I think they just had some stuff there. Yeah, whose dad has some stuff? They don't even have tires. They don't even have cars in Etheria. Remember the how they, they would just have like a big pile of tires, and that was a that was a thing you played on in the playground. Yeah, I do remember that. I remember we also had a giant like a uh, water heater uh, thing outside, uh, and we would all. <laughs> Why would you play? <laughs> it was shaped like you a were water playing heater? with us. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it <laughs> was on. inside. inside. <laughs> Hang on, it, it was in the shape of one, or it was one. It was one at I'm one t- time. Let me tell you, I don't even know what most of the stuff in our house is called. I uh, so. Wait a minute, I'm going to tell you what it is, and you help me out with what this is. Okay. It was a gigantic um, uh, steel submarine-looking thing that was external off of the building, and we would all get on it at recess and ride it and say it was Battle Cat. And- okay. <laughs> was it a propane oh. tank? Yeah, Maybe. Probably something like Maybe that. Maybe a propane yeah. Now, I will tell you, um, that's not. you should probably shouldn't surprise you too much, because they weren't too concerned about safety at this um, uh Pre-kindergarten, we also, I mean, had like a winter... Pre-kindergarten? Okay. Yeah. We had like a uh, winter wonderland sometimes where they would just leave the sprinklers on all night when it was uh, freezing. So when we come back, there'd be icicles everywhere. So basically, we'd be playing over stalactites around <laughs> the jungle gym. <laughs> That's fun. So, yeah. If one falls and you throw it at the other one, so that one's Right. Fine. Or you get impaled. One of yeah, those things. Yeah. Somebody's getting hurt. So uh, still a better playground than here in Ethereum. Right. Now, uh, Hordak's going to try to um, further his anti-literacy campaign by landing his awesome shuttle in a place called Northland. Let's talk about this shuttle for a second. It's pretty much just Hordak's giant head, and the Mm -hmm. windows are his eyes, and it's incredible looking. Yeah, it's pretty good. I wish there was a toy of this thing. (laughs) Yeah, I wish there was a toy of any of those things. Yeah, I know. Did they ever make a toy with Hordak's face? I don't think so, except for Hordak, obviously. It wouldn't be that hard, I would Even, Even the... Fright zone looking playset thing had that weird snake puppet, but had nothing to do with his castle. They I, I, they made the toys before the episodes a lot of times, I think. Yeah, but I mean later on, once if it was actually popular, you think they'd make something I, at least one toy. Yeah. Even, if, even if it was like crappy and like one color. Well, I guess they had to wait for us to turn 
35 and complain about it before yeah, they would get it right. Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't they make these toys? <laughs> so when he lands, um, Mantena is uh, waiting for him with all the Northlanders, and he's clapping, and he orders everybody else to start clapping too. Uh, <laughs> oh, but there's one kid who's clapping on his own, and who is that? Corey, the worst child in the world. Hooray for the heart! Good boy. I'll talk to you later. And and then Hordak says, "I'll talk to you later." Yeah, that was weird. So he gets to live his little scumbag's dream because he is now tapped to be a spy for the Horde, and mm-hmm. he's like, "You let us know, you know, whenever they're doing planning anything or reading any books." And then, you know, they never promise he'll be rewarded. So, yeah, it was gross because they gave him all this like fun boy important equipment. Like they gave him a little walkie talkie and some stuff. And it was like a little fascist youth equipment stuff. <laughs> it was really disturbing. It was disturbing. Yeah. Uh, and the, and Hordak announces that their new teacher will be Tongue. <laughs> <laughs> a scholar and a gentleman. Have we talked about Tongue yet? He's, um, he's shown up, but not really named. Right. So he's one of the snake men, and his thing is that he has the large prehensile tongue and speaks that way. Uh, and he shows he's up not, with he's not, His name is not Tongue Lasher? It might be. Oh, okay. Uh, if somebody is, a... is better with their specifics, please write in and correct us. But I believe that's true. Uh, I think On the captions, it was just T-U-N-G. Yeah, yeah I don't know. <clears throat> mm-hmm. yeah. It might be his proper name, I guess. Um, now, <laughs> his one thing about Tongue... Um, we knew that his uh, design was different than the toy because they designed the toy first. But I feel like his cartoon design, it always looks sort of incomplete to me. He, he looks, uh, his, his design looks sort of bare. I think it's just his smooth head or something. But I feel like he's lacking detail or color somehow. Is he wearing, is he not wearing a piece of clothing that the other ones wear? I'm just asking. I don't think so. I think they're all pretty different. Uh, you know, Mantena's got like a frock. Um, Catcher's got the suit. And so in spring, the flowers bloomed all over the mountains. And Etheria was a peaceful and happy planet. Then the horde invaded and everything changed. That's the truth, children. No matter what lies the horde tells you. So uh, the, the next scene is the secret reading group that the teacher has. And they're reading that really lame book you were talking about earlier. <laughs> it's all they had. <laughs> it's for first graders. Leave it alone. They are supposed to be little kids. I mean, you know. Mm-hmm. They can't use big words yet. <laughs> they're like Harry Potter hasn't been invented yet. They don't have any ways to make reading interesting to children. Especially in a, in a culture where they're always telling stories all the time. You'd think they would just, like, write it down. It's okay. I'm not going to think too hard about it. But, yeah, um, so almost instantly, uh, Corey radios on his little scumbag <laughs> talk boy. And um, they come in there and arrest the teacher instantly. Serena. They're in the teacher's house, just as I reported. And they have a book! And she gets carted off to jail. And they have, like, a prisoner transport, like, right there in this village ready to go. And I'm so upset. So upset. Yeah, this is this is textbook evil stuff. <laughs> yeah, if you're ever burning books, you are not doing the right thing. <laughs> what if they're bad books, though? <laughs> that is still not the right thing. <laughs> not the right thing, Scott. Books are our friends. Oh, okay. They are our friends. Well, Every library has a copy of Mein Kampf, all right? It doesn't matter. All books are valuable in some way or another. We don't burn books. Don't burn books, anybody. I know Lookie's going to tell you this later. It'll probably stick a lot better then. Well, some of the kids in the classroom kind of agree with you, and they stand up to uh, Tongue Lashore and uh, 
and Rattler and uh they really do. Yeah, it was like they were substitute teachers and the kids could just smell it. <laughs> <laughs> Something's different today. Our teacher's a snake man. <laughs> it's chaos. It's complete chaos. All bets are off because our teacher's a snake man. Yeah, those kids are real brave. I think in real life that would not happen, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of things in real life would not happen. For example, having a snake for a teacher. So I guess I should really <laughs> worry about that. <laughs> yeah, I think the kids would be more concerned. Like, okay, fine, snake for teacher, uh, uh, evil dictator told us what to do. The question is, is recess still at the same time? <laughs> Are we having chicken tenders for lunch? This is a horror trooper. That Corey has some real scumbag potential. <laughs> Dive, Swifty! Dive! <laughs> now let's see if we can save those books. Uh, she were breaks... Serena out, right? Yeah. Is that where we're at? Yes, yes, yeah. Yes. So she breaks her out by wrapping the jail window with uh, Swift Wind and just ripping it out. And uh, Serena hops on the back of Swift Wind and they're flying over the city. And uh, there's a big pile of books in the middle of the city. And uh, all the horde have flamethrowers. For some odd reason, they can't just like <laughs> they can't just pour gasoline on it. They have to use flamethrowers. And then there's a scene. I thought it was uh, very interesting and kind of um, yeah ominous, I guess, mm-hmm. where she's they're flying by and then the flames are going up and then it's like shows Serena's face and then there's like uh, superimposed yeah. flames over her face. I remember that. Yeah, and that's right at the time where she was telling her. You know, like, well, it's too late. They've already burned the books. And Serena's like, now what will we teach the children? It was. But you know what? I don't, again, like I watched this first thing when I got up this morning, like with my morning coffee. And I don't know if there's just some funky, like sleep hormones or I don't know what it was. But like, I was so upset by this. I'm like, they can't burn the books. Just very quickly, just. Just out of curiosity, do you guys remember any sort of media from when you were younger that was kind of illicit and you remember getting a hard time about it, either just from the news or your parents or school or some bus trip with some weird civic groups? Goosebumps? Seriously? Well, there's, there, I guess, I, this is, this is like the first instance of it, like, um, it being too, too much or uh-huh. too scary or you know something like that like too much graphicness uh-huh. or whatever uh-huh. um, and it wasn't I mean it probably wasn't but you know like for I think they were trying to skew towards younger kids and you know and this is your parents or your teacher or? Uh, teacher school mm-hmm. yeah I don't I think if I was reading, my parents would be happy. <laughs> <laughs> little Scott get too worked up. The mm-hmm. best one I can think of is I got a little bit of pushback about uh, playing Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. Um, it, there wasn't a, our town we grew up in was it wasn't super well connected to the rest of the world. So all of a sudden, me and my friend, only two people that any of our parents know are playing Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. and all they know is I'm drawing pictures of minotaurs. Well, <laughs> so, I, it, it was well, it was connected to the devil. You know, that's the, there's religious groups that connected to well, like evil, you know, uh, evil I th- stuff. I think that's I think that was a little bit of the uh, panic at the time, and I think that's I think that's what they were I concerned do about. That. But and, then, like your dad said, like, well, well, hang on, I'm, I'm gonna play that with y'all, see what I think about it. <laughs> Actually, that was my friend's dad. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. You're, so somebody in somebody in your 
area of concern is yes. like these boys they're unsupervised playing this this evil game and we've got to see what's up with it yes and so they, after that was he okay with it yes i think they returned they were like this is the lamest nerdiest <laughs> math-based imagination picture drawing thing he's i've like ever seen in my in, life he's like i'm done it's like, <laughs> like I'm yeah, done. Okay, find those evil. boys a football and leave them alone <laughs> not evil not evil <laughs> Rebecca, I, I know you grew up a bad girl with no supervision. I grew up wild. I was never censored as to what I read or mm-hmm. watched or anything. So, which I, which is good. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have liked that. <laughs> but I mean, you know, like if you're you're not an idiot when you're a kid, you know, kind of how to seek out something at your level. You know when something's sure. too much for you. Sure. And I never felt that way. Yeah, that's why I'd sneak in the room and watch that one scene of RoboCop at the beginning. I shouldn't have seen. And they were right. I shouldn't have seen it. It was too much. It's still too much. <laughs> People of Northland, the generous horde is once again coming to your aid. Because your school is not good enough for your children, we are sending them to a special horde school. No! We don't want them to go to your school. Well, uh, Corey is finally starting to see the light a little bit because uh, Hordex people show up in town and they're like, all right, well, this school's lame, so we're going to cart all your kids off to the Fright Zone so they have some good teachers. And uh, so they start carting off kids and they take Corey's sister. And Corey's like, hey, you can't take my sister. And 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 then Tongue Lasher is like, and why not? And then he doesn't have a good answer. Because <laughs> <laughs> he said so. He's a Corey. Oh, because he says I'm part of the horde. We have to let her go? Says who? I say so! I'm a member of the horde, and I... You? A member of the horde? <laughs> oh, he does say that? Oh, yeah, that's yeah. Right. He's yeah. like, He's like, I'm a member I'm of the member horde of the or something. Horde. He's like, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah, and they just straight up laugh at him. Like, they yeah. actually laugh very heartily at a little boy, which was funny. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's what I, you get, Corey. I felt like the writers were having sit, a little bit of fun with this one. Now your sister's going to the one. Fright Zone. <laughs> Honestly, I think school in the Fright Zone could not be so bad, right? I mean, they'd have Adora lots of... Dora came out of there. She's not terrible. Yeah. Or Dora, she was educated in the Fright Zone. You have to get Shadow Weaver as a mentor, though. You've got to get access to those books. Yeah, otherwise they're just going to train you to press buttons. <laughs> yeah. And it'll be like yeah. Grizzlore. Or Catcher is always going to be taking you out to sea all the time. <laughs> learn, learn how to mine the... Is there mountains in the Fright Zone, you think? Probably. I'm sure. Yeah, you they gotta have Craig somehow. Yeah. yeah, they gotta have ore for something. Burning or coal or yeah, kids are good for coal mining, right? Yeah. They're little. <laughs> they can go into the, the very small openings. <laughs> yeah, or they have the technology to make good workhouses back then. <laughs> yeah, so that's probably what that would have been. But if they really got an education in the fright zone, I don't know. They'd probably be pretty good at like math. We know the rebels are terrible at like math and planning. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they are terrible at planning. For example, uh, they tried to sneak into the back of a horde transport and get ambushed, and they get caught. And uh, Adora has to depend on Corey hanging outside the window of the transport to bring her Shira's sword, which he does. He fetches it for her because he's still mad about his sister and being insulted. Flip flopper. Yeah. <laughs> Corey's got no loyalty. I just want to say the tongue lasher thing earlier. I think it's something to do with his head. And that he doesn't have ears, or like he looks unfinished without ears. Yeah, or like 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 a like a head thing. I think you're right. I like think a, it's like a head I don't know what detail. You would call it. He's got a naked head. Yeah, yeah. He needs like a few. He needs like a few little scales drawn in, or some horns. And he barely, he has like late '90s eyebrows, like super plucked. Also, he looks kind of like I don't know uh, for anybody that remembers that uh, show Dino Saucers. He looks kind of like the Allosaurus bad guy a little bit. Allosaurus bad guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you think so? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. 
I like a skinny one, like a scrawny one. Shira, you arrived just in time. Glad to be here, but we have to do something about Tongue, Rattler, and the rest of the troopers. Yes, but uh, so uh, after she gets her sword, then Shira just comes and whoops everybody in the transport, traps them in there, but releases all the you know prisoners yeah uh there's a cool shot of hordak in the window uh shaking his fist and stuff and there was a really neat shot of the whole town that they bothered to draw which i thought was kind of neat and nice of them which they don't usually do and then uh, uh shira puts out the fire they set in the middle of the town by carving out an entire lake and throwing it in the sky that happened right yeah <clears throat> yeah it was like a bowl it did now, I liked that. Uh, in an episode we'll be talking about soon, He-Man has to get very special permission from Castle Grayskull to get this kind of power. But uh, She-Ra, I think, has access to kind of power that He-Man does not. <laughs> well, uh, she might pull her power from different, you know, like uh, from the Crystal Castle now and, uh, you know, other things that... Oh, interesting. Because, oh. because you know, everyone else needs something to pull their power from. She pulls it from Grayskull and that. Oh, you know what? I hadn't really thought about that. Uh, so she says for the for the honor of Grayskull, so she's connected to Grayskull, but is her sword forged in the Crystal Castle? Well, I don't know. Only those jerks up there knew where to get it fixed at, if you'll remember. Light Hope, my least favorite person. <laughs> we'll have to look into that. We'll have to ask Light Hope, and Rebecca will have to go on a quest. I need a woman to trials. do a quest for me before I can give you information. The fire people. Uh, I'll be in my in my grave before I let some light tell me what to do. I, I would like to go down, sliding down those stairs. That looked really fun. <laughs> not chased by a giant boulder, though. That's not. No. Um, after after the uh, she throws the water in the air and it puts out the fire. It also rusts out the horde troopers. And if we got like definitive confirmation, those horde troopers are robots. Well, or there are people inside there, and they're rusted in there, and they're just. <laughs> Why they're did just, you have to leave it ambiguous which for is, us? Which <laughs> is really grisly. It's really grisly because then they can't move, and they're like they're like putting them into like carts to be carted away. Yeah. If you read it that way, and then they're laughing maniacally at them. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the rain has rusted the robots. <laughs> I was more concerned. It's much terrible that way. I, yeah, I was terrible. Um, concerned by the fact that like they've got all of them, and they said they were going to go cart them over to like the edge of the fright zone or whatever, and just dump them off. And I'm like, recycle that metal, you fools! Yeah. Like, come on now, you don't have any natural resources. You've got or technology to, in the you rebellion. have got to melt that down, and you got to forge some iron, y'all. Come on now. I think they are. I, th- I think you are correct. Though. They are robots because it's it's easier. It's easier, and also you're allowed to beat up and slice yeah. robots and stuff like that. And you're not allowed to slice people. Yeah, same reason. Even Ninja Turtles had the foot soldiers like that. Yeah, so they could they could blow them. Well, up. I guess all those human horde troopers we saw in like the first four episodes, I guess they're all dead. I guess they ran through <laughs> them pretty quickly. That was like version one, and then version two is all robot. Yeah, wasn't that uh, didn't that happen in Star Wars? Yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. All right, you're exactly right. They ran out of clones. Okay, and then I have this, at this point in my notes, I have written, look, he's not even trying anymore. Really, I was so proud of myself for seeing him. (laughs) But, like, Mm -hmm. at this point, Lookie was just basically sitting there. Like, Lookie just wants to be a regular cast member. Hey, look, all I'm going to say is the fire started around the time we saw Lookie. Correlation (laughs) is not causation, but he was there. Lookie is a fire bug. We already know this. 
He was. Look, he has poor impulse control. So this episode wraps up at the end with uh, them thanking Corey and two of the good kids, <clears throat> real pitiful, and they're like, we would like to be friends with you, and uh, we'll teach you how to read better. Oh, yeah, because also, apparently, Corey was a bully because he couldn't read well. Mm-hmm. That was just implied. That was in every 80s show. If you are a bully, it's because you are embarrassed that you couldn't read yeah. well. So they had to work that in with Corey, too. That was a bit shoehorned. <laughs> IMO. There was a there was a uh, Deep Space Nine episode uh, like that, too, where uh, Jake has to teach Nog how to, re- how to read at the end, and they had this, like, it was super corny line at the end where Nog's like, Jake, will you teach me how to read? And I was like, come on. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, Nog turned out to be my favorite character, but that, that's all we need to say about that. That's true. And Jake turned out to be your favorite reporter and writer. <laughs> true. I love the movie. It also works with Orko, too. Orko turned out to be your favorite, favorite character. Orko's a great reader. <laughs> Orko has to sound out every word. You know he does. Hey, it's me, Lookie. Did you find where I was hiding? If not, take another look. So with this moral that Lookie gives us, I felt like Lookie was threatening us a little bit. It was like, don't know what you've got till it's gone, basically. Yes, yes. Yeah. It, it, it so was, Lookie's been thinking about... It was like, you need to appreciate it or I'm going to destroy it. <laughs> well, Lookie's thinking about wrapping up his meager belongings in a polka-dotted handkerchief and tying them <laughs> to his stick. Leave. Yeah. He's going to go somewhere else. I wouldn't cry. <laughs> I wouldn't cry, Lookie. Um, I guess that was an okay uh, lesson from him. I'm not sure that was as important as anything we talked about in the episode, but that's fine. <laughs> it's okay. I was so tense during like the book burning scenes mm-hmm. of the episode that I was like, if I see Loki right now, it's all over. Like I'm he's like in out. the fire. <laughs> he's like, hey, look at me. Did you see me? <laughs> gleefully ripping out pages. I know. <laughs> I was like, help them save the books, Loki. What are you doing? <laughs> This valuable knowledge here. He okay? saved. He saved all the Mad magazines. Sorry. <laughs> Lucky can't even read that much. The foldout's my favorite. Oh, you know, Lucky would like fold it poorly, and then like you could never fold it well after that. <laughs> like, what does this secret message say? <laughs> the all ID aller. <laughs> I get it. Uh. Uh. Rebecca, you are the most moved by this episode. Can you move us into the rating section? You know, I'm I'm, I'm really trying to think what what taken as a whole what I feel about it because like the message did it really resonated mm-hmm. with me and I don't know if the show can take credit for that or not. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm just having a very human experience today. I don't know. I'm gonna give this one. I don't know. I love scumbag children. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you about that. I do love. I love the appearance of scumbag children. It's one of my favorite things in this whole series. So I give about a four point four. He um, wasn't royalty though, so it he wasn't. Was He's royalty. no Zed, but you know. <laughs> four point four jailed teachers. Okay, I don't know. out of five. Okay, corn sex. <laughs> corn sex. Uh, Scott, thoughts about this one? Um, I did like it. Uh, was that the first appearance of tongue? I huh? think he's had minor appearances. I think he did not have any lines. I, I, I did enjoy all the all the characters and tongue teaching, and the the kid that was that was good. And then he got what he deserved, and then he turned around. Uh, yeah, four point two. Okay, four point two. Yeah, it was good. Oh, Hordak ship. Four point six. <laughs> he gets four point six. Okay. Uh, I yeah. Uh, same thing. I, I, I this issue really resonates from for for me. It made me make 
crazy decisions about what I went to school for, for the for issues just like this. Um, and I love things that uh, pull from, uh, you know, uh, classic conflicts and uh, fantasy novels and things like that. But it was a little, little bit silly. I didn't really like what they did with Bo during the episode. Uh, he, 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 didn't really have any good lines or anything. <laughs> At the end of the episode, when Adora's back to Adora, did you remember that he said, like, uh, She-Ra helped, too? I, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. It I was, did like that. That was classic, but Yeah, I did like that. I did like that a little bit. So, uh, for, for many of the same reasons, um, I'm going to go 4.1, pushing it over 4 because of the issue, but I wasn't impressed with the execution. So, 4.1, uh, jailed teachers or flower sex. We'll decide on the ratings page later. <laughs> It's been about a month, so it's time for the lightning round. This will be our third lightning round, I believe. Uh, The way this works is uh, each of us gets a minute to talk about one of the episodes that happened between our main episodes. Um, We're watching these episodes, so you don't have to. You can look at our episode guide on our website if you want to follow along, but this is just to sort of help you get caught up. So uh, first on our list is Scott, and what episode are you reviewing for us now uh this is he-man season one episode 33 the star child okay uh are you ready i think so okay and go okay he-man and cringer are lounging about in the forest um there's uh you see some purple hair hooded people uh they're called cave dwellers and they're holding a child um the robin hood people uh are in fight with them um and they try to uh they try to get the uh, star child away from the cave dweller people um the uh, he-man comes and saves her um then he-man and battle cat go into the vine forest they get caught by vines he-man says to battle cat use your muscles and uh <laughs> the cave people try to stop he-man um and then they get back to the castle he saves the star child they get back to the castle oracle and her um are friends and they glow together star child <laughs> runs away again um he-man punches the floor uh, cave people ask Tila to uh, to help. Uh, forest people ask uh, Man at Arms, uh, Child uh, Control Lasers, um, <laughs> Tickle Trap tra- traps Tila. The Robin Hood people tickle it and sh- save her. Uh, Star Child loves everyone. Mur- murals about the power of love. Rating two point six. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think you pulled it out. I, I think time would bend to allow that. Okay. That's funny. Uh, Our first question is: Tell me more about the nature of the Star Child. Does it have any um in important origins. And what does it look like? Yeah. It just looks like a, a cute little blonde-haired girl, you know, with blue eyes and blonde hair. Okay. And uh, she's wearing, like, this outfit that looks like a, you know, it's like a leotard with a star on it. And anything and about it, any special no, destiny there's a, there, or anything? there's no origin or anything of like that. She just has powers. Okay. And, um... Yeah, she they, they they want they she thinks they want her for her powers to defeat the other people. Okay. Sounds like Willow. Okay. <clears throat> Excellent. Uh, now we're moving on to Rebecca, who is reviewing... He-Man Season 1, Episode 34, The Dragon's Gift. Are you ready? Okay. Go. Skeletor has disguised himself as an ambassador from a place, and he gives Randor this gift, because Randor's very vain, and he takes it, and he loves it, or whatever. But instead, Man-at-Arms notices it was Skeletor, and... uh, um, 
Skeletor gets tripped by Tila and executes a forward somersault. <laughs> and in the, the chaos, Duncan is turned into crystal. And it's a spell called oh the Weird of Crystal, an ancient spell. And we find out that only Granamir, a dragon, knows how to reverse it because it's a very ancient spell. Okay, and so when Sorceress is telling them this, Tila gets real <laughs> with her, which I love it because Sorceress is like, I can't help you. And they have to find out in from a book like how to reverse it. And He-Man was very excited to read. <laughs> so they go to the ice mountains and the trolls get sassy with He-Man because he says, do you speak the tongue of Eternia? And they're like, we speak troll tongue, but we speak your tongue too because there's more than one. One jerk. Oh, my God. So, anyway, uh, Granamer wants them to chop down the oldest tree in, the- in Eternia, and they can't do it. And then, so, he respects them, and he grants their wish, and then f- frees Duncan. And respect nature is the moral. Excellent. And your rating was? This was a really good one. I'm giving it 4.5 Irish stereo. Wow. Four- I'm sorry, 4.7 Irish stereotypes out of 5. Excellent. And that's Excellent. because there are some some leprechauns, the treeprechauns, who show up in there. <laughs> Well, I have to worry about that. I actually really recommend this. And okay. th- there's a really cool... Okay, I'm sorry. Questions. No, that's cool. Um, how did Tila get sassy with the sorceress? <laughs> she was just like, I can't believe you don't want to help us. Oh, funny. You know, because sorceress is like, I can't. I made a pact with the dragons and you must never break your word oh, with funny. the dragon. And Tila's like, but my dad is a crystal woman. <laughs> Scott, questions for so Angry the, Rebecca? The question is, did they transport... <laughs> man-at-arms to the dragon or do they bring the dragon to him? Because I feel that's funny, funny like, <laughs> for He-Man to put a like, man-at-arms <laughs> on his back. They keep him, Sorceress <laughs> keeps him in Castle Grayskull. She keeps him safe and I think she just wanted like a nice statue to look at. <laughs> my like, pop. Yeah, she was like, I will keep him safe over here by this vase. <laughs> Anyway, no, it was actually a really good cool. one. They had some really cool animation where the dragon would kneel down to talk to He-Man and Tila. Honestly, don't skip this one. I'd really, cool. I'd really watch this. Cool. Anyway. Okay. Well, it looks like it's my turn next, and I am reviewing He-Man Season 1, Episode 35, The Sleepers Awaken. Are you ready? Uh, yeah. Go. Okay. Uh, I would say this one's about pets and animals more than anything else. There's like a, a old ancient lord and lady who did a lot of evil and decide that they've done enough evil and want to go for a long sleep. And when they uh, wake up, their powers will be restored and they get a fresh start. Uh, Tila knows there's a legend about this. So he, she and He-Man are poking around this valley near that old castle and trying to capture some pegasi. Um, and uh, the, the old... Lord, creepy Lord and Lady wake up. We can't see the Lord for a while. The Lady tries to enslave He-Man and thinks he's handsome, but we get a clue that she's nice because she really loves her cute little dragon, Sago, whose uh, tail wags all the time. And there's this monster that's skulking around. They find out it's the old Lord who'd been using all his uh, power to prepare for her return, and it made him ugly, and he's really just sad that she thinks He-Man's uh, good-looking now. And they have some altercations, and He-Man fights a giant snake, and at the end he runs into the uh, collapsing castle to save Sago, and he has to go run in, and he has to go run in to save the snake he beat up earlier, which cracked me up. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> and I would give this one a... I would give this one a... Uh, four dragon tail wags. It was um, it was pretty cute. What was the moral of this? Um, It was kind of all over the place. Um, I would say, like, you can... It's never too late for a fresh start. That's me being generous. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, uh, did he ever... Pick up the snail, the uh, snail, the snake, and twist him around like th- in a circle. Yeah, I'm certain that's what he did. And then he stuffed him to a snack, uh, into a sack. But he was careful to say, "We'll find a place to release him later." <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> At least, Re- it, yeah. Be it's- safe with snakes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, Scott, what do you have for us? I have uh, He-Man 
Season 1, Episode 37, It's Not My Fault. I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, are you ready? Uh, yes. Okay. So there's Orko and a girl named Pody uh, playing ball. Uh, Pody throws the ball into he, uh, a man-at-arms workshop, breaks something. <laughs> Orko takes the blame. Pody runs away uh, to her to the Orko and her Orko. secret spot. Um, man-at-arms... Uh, uh, and, uh, okay, so there's a guy named Rago, what did I do and uh, <laughs> uh, he's a leader and takes Pody and Orko hostage. Uh, Rago has a giant unbreakable tank uh, to get some because uh, he wants some stones and then to make the tank stronger. Um, and only Pody can take the take the stones off of the statue. Hmm. Um, Man at Arms and He Man go uh, into the vine forest. Um, What's a vine forest? Ah! You got 15 seconds. Uh, uh, rope to get everyone. Uh, chief falls into the crass. Uh, He-Man saves him. Rago was mad uh, for the chief for giving him a woman's job. Uh, <laughs> Pody gets the stones down. Uh, the tank is the uh, uh, you know, superhuman He-Man. He-Man blocks the, blocks the lasers and blows up the tank. Um, then he takes the tank and shakes the guys out. Um, okay. 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 <laughs> so... For me to have resolution with this, I think I need to know more about this woman's job that <laughs> He-Man had. It wasn't He-Man, sorry. It was Rhodey. Oh, okay. Or Rago. Rago. Couldn't clear his Rago. name, Rago. thankfully. Yes. Okay, yes. that explains so much. Right, yes. Okay. Did I say He-Man? Uh, maybe I heard He-Man. Okay, all right. You said uh, that He-Man Ray, Rago was a bad guy. Okay, got so, it. Uh, so he, he, he was in charge of the water mm-hmm. for the town. And he was mad about that. I see. And he wanted, he wanted more power. Water is very important. That's funny. Yeah. You could literally kill everyone with Just the water like supply. Just like some old woman would say. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Okay. Do, do you have a rating for that? Oh, one? yeah. Three and a half. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was a decent episode. Cool. The, the tank looked like a rhino. Cool. All right. Uh, Rebecca, what do you got? He-Man, season one, episode 38, The Valley of Power. Okay, are you ready? Sure. Tell us about the Valley of Power. There's a place where there is a big dinosaur bird thing called uh, the Mother Roe, and she has an egg that she guards in the Valley of Power. And today's scumbag is a blue underpants man named Danavis who's trying to steal her egg so he could raise it, the animal and then control it. He's basically an evil man in arms and even has, like, the same voice. And then also there's this magical spring that appears once every thousand years and it makes you strong. So Tila is dragging Prince Adam and Cringer there, like in an attempt to make them strong. But then Danavis gets into a rumble with the bird and they save him, but he's a liar and he has stolen her egg and she comes after them all. So Tila gets bird snatched and then she misses her once every thousand year spring while this jerk Danavis gets to do it. And then the egg hatches because the water does that to him and he flies off on the big row. And then so they all... Oh my gosh, get together with the bird lady, Orko's at the palace, Tila and Orko fend off the row, and there's a bunch of wackiness, and Sorcerers makes a potion that will make the row tractable like a baby, but it gets to Orko, and he does a goo goo ga routine, it's ridiculous. But it all works, I don't know. Uh, the end. I love that uh, the evil Duncan, of course, is being mean to birds. To birds, <laughs> he Don't wants to control to birds. birds. He sounded wrong. so much like Duncan. It was it was an evil man at arms, essentially. <laughs> Tell us about the Goo Goo Gaga orca. It was crazy because first of all, orca like sorceress mixes a potion and she's like, "This is going to help the roe get back to its normal size, so it's not wild anymore." And it lands on Orko like a drop of it. And he's like, he goes in her arms and he's like, and he does like a whale wah. It was so weird. I love it. It sounds cute. No. 3.6 row eggs out of five. They still weird. gave it a 3.6. Was that weird? It was pretty we, we weird. We very rarely give a low of three these days. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. 
Maybe I'll change that later, but... Rebecca, why did you write that episode? That was crazy. (laughs) That was just crazy. (laughs) The Goo Goo Gaga was so weird. (laughs) Scott, what what do you got? Oh, wait. It's me. It's I got. Uh Uh-oh. We're in trouble. Okay. Um, so this was kind of funny because uh, Scott and I split up a two-parter, so I think we'll both be surprised about what happened. <laughs> okay, so I'm excited to learn. I'm re- I'm reviewing the first part of this. It is He-Man season one, episode forty, The House of Shakoti, part one. Okay, so this is sort of a desert story, almost like a um, Dune or Star Wars kind of thing. The main villain is this character called Mask, who's just this uh, darkness incarnate and has like a predator mask. Um, uh, He-Man goes on like this uh, archaeology mission to get more um, information about what's going on with these desert towns. It's kind of interesting. They had a really cool archaeologist character. He's like the first person of color we've in- encountered in all of Eternia, which was kind of interesting. And he had this little boy with him named Stanlin, who who um, was just like a, a tunic boy, and he was really excited to go with them. Um, Ram Man came along. They called him Rammy. Rammy was a uh, stand-in for um, dumb kids, and he'd be like, duh, what's archaeology? And then we'd have to learn about archaeology a little bit. Um, at one point, uh, the kid uh, was excited by Cringer, and he says, I'm not a kitty. I'm Cringer, and you scared me. And um, uh, let's see. Uh, Ram Man uh, has a moral at the end that says, um, hitting things in your head is actually dumb and dangerous, and don't do that. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, th- this was pretty good. I would I would give this a... Uh, uh, 4.3 um, Rainies. <laughs> well, I guess any questions we have are going to be answered in part two. Scott? Oh, so are we going right to part <laughs> yeah, two? Yeah, I think so. I, th- I can't stand the suspense. Let's hear okay, part so, two. So, so if you have multiple, we get two questions then. If you have, <laughs> yeah, if I think it's pretty loose. Okay, all right. All right. <laughs> You're not going to hold me against it. All right. So, in suspense, I'm doing uh, He-Man Season 1, Episode 41, okay. House of Shikoti, Shikotai. Sure. They okay. never say it, do they? Part 2. Okay. They do say it in my episode. Oh, great. Okay. Um, I, and, oh, wait. I just oh. want to say, I'm going to use Rammy all the time. Okay. Use Rammy from okay. now on. Okay. Yes. And ram it up. Okay. So, uh, they open up with uh, Rammy at the, at the base of a pyramid, and there's a, there's looks like a sealed door that they, they can't really tell what it is. So, Rammy rams it. And then he finds another door with uh, Shakoti's head on top of it, and the eyes glow. And then Rami's scared, and then uh, and then they 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 and they learn in lore that they're not supposed to go in at night; they're supposed to go during the day. Mm. So they have to wait till the morning. And then uh, when the kid Stan Stanlin, um, he he sneaks out, and Cringer tells He Man. He Man goes out. Uh, he uh, Stanlin uh, convinces Rami to open the door. Um, but he, he 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 can't because the door like sucks him in, and then uh, He-Man comes and slices the door like butter. Uh, Rayman wakes up because he got knocked out from ramming the door, <laughs> and then uh, he keeps messing up the name like Shapoopy, Shashimi, Shabuti. Um, uh, He-Man and, and Rami and Battle Cat jump into the mouth of the portal because there's a portal that opens up. Um, Bonus uh, seconds. Uh, <laughs> Sorcerer is notified in uh, fear of the darkness. Uh, Stanley uh, saves He-Man and Rami and Battle Cat. Um, He-Man, oh gosh, <laughs> there's so there's so much in this episode. How do they beat the bad guy? That's my question. He he. Stanley gets a hold of He-Man's sword, and uh, the sorceress tells him that uh, there is nothing to fear in the darkness. And then he uh, he saves them uh, by believing in himself that there's oh. nothing nothing to fear Isn't because that she's she's so dark. Okay, or whatever. That's the, that was like the premise. Cool. 
So, oh, uh, and the moral was stay out of places that you are not supposed to be like sewers and something. <laughs> uh, it was a, a, a rating of 3.8. Okay. Um, whose turn is it now? Uh, Me. Rebecca. Now we're switching to she Okay, I hope, the epi- I hope that you wrote a better episode than the last one. <laughs> um, this is she Season 1, Episode 25, Small Problems, Not to be Confused with Hot Problems, which is still like my favorite vanity single that anyone ever released ever. Okay, and do it. Okay, Catra has a shrinking formula, which right off the bat is weird, because since when could she do potions? And the answer is she can't. There's actually a research facility, and she's bossing a bunch of scientists, and they've made a shrinking potion. Okay, so in this village, Glimmer did some good acrobatics, and she helps Bo and Cal get out of a jam, but then she brags too much about it, and she says she's getting too big for these small potato jobs. So Adora takes her on a... Uh, mission to this research facility to check it out and of course she's an idiot they get captured and then um they get sprayed with the shrink ray formula and they manage to get away but then they shrink anyway and then they're terrorized by a normal sized frog which they call fribbit and then whatever they get out of it they manage to run into Bo, and Bo puts them in his pocket and he is going to infiltrate the facility and there was actually a really good line that made me laugh when he tries to con his way into the facility he introduces him as horde inspector cowl which oh, was wow. really funny and he charms them they get the antidote and it's all you know everybody whoops up on everybody um it was pretty cute and glimmer learned her lesson and glimmer you ain't good the end <laughs> okay that was pretty thorough that I, was i'm that really was i'm proud of myself that's good that's uh, the best i've ever done <laughs> that that line uh that line was very satisfying horde inspector cowl i actually did laugh out loud i thought that was very funny no uh, who said that Bo, like, oh, like they're at the facility, okay, they're right. like, "Who are you?" And he's like, "My name is Horde Inspector Cowell," and it was funny. Yeah, <laughs> uh, shall I go now? Sure. Did you not have any more questions? No, I, I just I told answered you I'm them good. so thoroughly. You did it much better on that episode <laughs> than the other one you wrote. <laughs> it's so rude. Um. Okay, so I'm gonna review the Shira episode, season one, episode twenty-seven, the Eldritch Mist. And should I cue myself? And we are entering the mist now. Okay, so if I had to describe what this one was about, I would say it's cast a spell of getting a crush on Prince Adam. So, uh, Adora's visiting, visiting Castispella, and there's a little bit of trouble, and they're having some girl talking, hanging out, and then Castispella has this, like, pool of vision she's looking at. She's like, well, let's check on what your brother is doing. And he's, uh, sleeping by some fish. And then they, um, she, she makes the lake grab him and pull him over, and she's saying That's things creepy. like, he's quite handsome. Yes, quite nice. You must bring him here. That kind of thing. Um, Not so cool. they find out that Shadow Weaver has this uh, ancient, uh, eldritch book of spells, which is pretty awesome, and she, uh, makes the whole, uh, woods like sleepy and nobody can escape from it um and so uh we've got like a power team of uh castispella she-ra and he-man who are going to get the spell book we found out that castispella has uh was like a student with shadow weaver and um shadow weaver makes ugly magic she makes pretty magic and castispella makes a giant teddy bear that hugs shadow weaver and she hates it and then uh he-man and castispella are making goo goo eyes at each other and look he cheated (laughs) oh i don't even know if i want to know anything about this episode <laughs> um it was okay i, I like seeing um the uh, a lot of capable people in it uh so I, i'm gonna go um uh 3.9 um uh, teddy bears <laughs> <laughs> okay what was it a brown bear uh-huh oh, that was that was just that was, <laughs> i should have right. said per- all your like hot pink. questions answered <laughs> i should have said pink or something <laughs> back to you bob okay 
Uh, who's next? Scott is next. It's me. Okay, yes. what are you doing for us? Uh, it is She-Ra, Season 1, Episode 28, Bo's Farewell. Ooh. Okay, and are we ready? Uh... <laughs> I think so. Okay, well, proceed. Okay, uh, Bo is an arrogant... Uh... <laughs> He is, he's helping the Twiggets uh, play a tune. Uh, Adora is mad at him because he's playing so loud that uh, the, 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 the horde's going to hear him because they're playing in the middle of a forest, and they're like, gee, the hordes are going to hear you. And guess what? The hordes hear you. And then and then the, the catcher's there, and the horde come, and then Bo gets away because he does uh, his, his pink, pink cloud of smoke magic, and then he like keeps appearing all over the place. They get the Twiggets. Um, uh, he does a bunch of disappearing acts, and then he saves the Twiggets, and then, uh, so, so then they're, they're like in the forest and, and she was like, you need to, or Adora's like, you need to, uh, take a vacation and then, but, and, but you have to take Cal. And then, so Cal and him go and then, they, and then they, and then they, they, they find another thing. And then there's a, there's King and Queen of the Twiggets. Uh, they they get captured by the horde and the, the Twiggets are doing horde work and they're trying to, they're trying to get, they're trying to, uh, ah, they're trying to shoot a beam at the moon. And uh, because there's an eclipse, and if they shoot it at the, if they shoot it at the castle, then the castle will be uh, Queen Angela, and then uh, they'll defeat her. And then Bo plays a certain frequency, and we learn about frequencies. And uh, I can't. I, it's, it's, there's a lot. So Sorry. it was supposed to be a vacation, but Bo had to work after all. He did with his frequencies. Yes. Okay. And the, they they turned it up to eleven to to <laughs> blow it up. It sounds pretty cute, I guess. Uh, can you tell me about the kind of toiling that the Twiggets were doing? Would they make any pitiful noises of work? Uh, yeah, there was a lot of like, ee, ooh, ee, you know, like that sort of thing. Like, um, and and Bo turned into a wizard at one point. Oh, good, because that was his disguise, and it was like Mickey Mouse with a beard, you know, like his like blue outfit. Mm-hmm, I remember he's wearing a nice wizard's nightshirt. I should say. Ah, good. Yes. Heyo. Uh, rating of two point eight. Okay. Wasn't, also, wasn't wonderful. My last episode, I said three point nine fribbits out of five. Okay, sorry, just just for you for, for later. Record. For yeah, the thank you for my ratings page. I'll go back and make them up if you didn't say. Um, okay. <laughs> Don't you dare! Don't you dare! Uh, and then Rebecca, I think you have the last one. What are you doing? Shira, season one, episode twenty-nine: The Price of Freedom. Mm, okay, are we ready to hear about it? Sure. We'll hit it. So He-Man is in this one. Um, Sorceress gets a distress signal from Shira because Etheria is at war, and there are horde bombs falling and troops marching on some mines. The Ethereum mines, and Ethereum powers the horde machines. But this mine was tapped out, and I really like when He-Man shows up and he has to play by the rules in Etheria because mm-hmm. it makes it much more satisfying. And so, like, there are villagers here to protect. There are politics at play. And he can't just go blasting and punching everything, mm-hmm. which I really, really like. So um, they kind of stand off against each other. Hordak gets a freeze ray blast off to He-Man, and the mine entrance collapses. So he's incapacitated. The villagers are complaining. They're running out of air. There are real stakes. They're trying to dig out of the mountain just as She-Ra goes to get help, and she returns. The mountain collapses. He-Man holds it up for the villagers. The villagers think they're all dead. Swiftwind sheds a tear, but bam, they're alive. And they're all happy to make new lives in the Whispering Woods. And look, says don't play with matches that was his lesson because Loki does that all the time <laughs> but anyway this is a good one I'd say 4.4 ethereum ore out of 5 this Excellent. was a good one I liked it okay yeah I like when uh, He-Man shows up and has to has to play by real awesome. rules I liked it yeah okay. alright well I think that was a successful third lightning round uh, we did it we moved forward in time again got some good information Rebecca says to watch the one about Grandamere Shira. 
That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. Next week, we'll be reviewing Season 1, Episode 30 of He-Man, The Taking of Grayskull. It's a classic episode with a hilarious lesson from Orko, Rebecca's favorite. You would say that. If you'd like to follow along with the show, you can find our episode guide at thewizardsnightshirt.com. If you have questions or comments for us to discuss or know what's wrong with my sinuses right now, you can email us at rumors at thewizardsnightshirt.com. You can also follow us on Facebook or Twitter and subscribe to our show on iTunes. We want to thank you for listening, and please remember, you don't need a scary flower sack to talk to children. <laughs> don't you? Appointing a new teacher for the school. This is Tommy.